Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the second service this morning. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we've been on a series called the Holy Spirit series, and we've been learning a lot, and we're going to do the same thing today. The Apostle Paul is speaking, and he is speaking to the church at Corinth, verse 13, for by one Spirit, everybody say Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all made to drink into one Spirit, for in fact, the body is not one member but many, so you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body. And uh, this is what I know, that God wants us all to be in his body, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Let our ears be open, our heart receptive in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Well, there are reasons that uh, birds flock together and cows and elk and buffalo are in herds and fish swim in schools and geese are in flocks and pods of whales and packs of wolves and flocks of sheep. How many of you know we're better together? And that's the design of God. You know, the roaring lion, he roams about seeking whom he may devour, and he really will find those who are strange and those who are loners and those who've left the herd and the flock. So I found this out. It's the banana that leaves the bunch that gets peeled. <laughs> so it's good to stay in the bunch, the herd, the school, the flock, right? You know, we just had twins in our family, and... Uh, Carrie and I had the other two for uh, a week, seven days, with a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh, God help us. It's made for young people. But isn't it amazing that uh, families take newborn babies home because they need a family? The Bible says that the Lord puts the solitary in families because it's there that uh, we move from maternity to maturity. And so it's God's design, and so the family of God is after that design. So when we're born again, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we make him the Lord of our life, the Lord puts us in families. The Bible says by the Spirit we are baptized into the body, or we might say the family of God. So when we're born again, we're placed somewhere. Um, it, it's amazing to me that Paul refers to the church about 60 times using the term church, but about 20 times he uses another term and it's called body. He's talking about the church, but he refers to it as the body. And this is what I know, there is one body, but many parts of the body. Uh, this week I, I've been out working and uh, somehow yesterday I, I smashed this finger right here. And have you ever had the inside of your fingernails start turning black? And you touch it and it hurts. And you say, well, it's just a little thing. Well, it's a little thing, but when I touch it, my whole body responds. 
And so such is the body of Christ. We are all one body, but we're members in particular, so we should feel one another's pain and you know, our discomfort and our, our vision, our dreams, our aspirations, and also our challenges. So we're, I don't even know, we're just in this together. So question, why the body? Why a spiritual community? Why a church? Because this is where we're cared for. This is where we're loved. This is where we're disciplined. This is where we are discipled. This is where we find purpose and calling. This is where we mature and use the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we've been endowed with. So it's the place where we make the greatest contribution and also the greatest difference in our life. So when Jesus called the 12, he didn't say, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, in three days you're on your own. So he continued that relationship, and even after he ascended to heaven, he continued to have that commonality and that community with them because we're just better together. Can I hear an amen to that? And it's not good to have a member of your body separated, right? Uh, it's never good. You know, if you're mowing the lawn, you'd like to keep your toes uh, you know, if you're sawing boards, you'd like to keep your fingers. It's never good to have the members of your body separated. It, it, it's never good to have the branches separated from the vine. Know what Jesus said? He, he said, if the branches are separated from the vine, they wither, they die, and they're just cast in the fire. So there, there has to be this connection. And what we want to know and what we need to know is that it is necessary for us to be connected to the vine, connected to each other, because that is the purpose of Almighty God. Acts chapter 1, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So that connected, that baptizing power, he said, is by the Holy Spirit. We're baptized into this church, you're baptized into this body. So Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven and now he comes with those disciples and says, you wait for the promise of the Father. And he said, you shall be baptized with power. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Um, you know, God doesn't always explain himself. So if we go back to the first mention of the Holy Spirit, it's in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. It was void. Darkness was on the face of the earth or the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering or moved upon the face of the waters or the abyss. So God just appears on the scene. He doesn't say, this is where I come from. He, he doesn't give us a lot of details. Everything we know about God is just by revelation. I mean, he, he doesn't show up and say, okay, let me just tell you where I came from. Let me give you all the details. You and I just have to accept this by revelatory faith. And we do accept it by that because without faith it's impossible to please God. So now we have the moving of the Holy Spirit up on and then Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So just as the Holy Spirit came upon the void, the darkness, the abyss, to create order and continuity, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, right? And so we see the connection here, and this is the birthing, as we know, of the church. So that word come upon in Genesis 1 means to hover or flutter. It means to uh, rest upon, implying brooding and fertilizing. And then in verse 8, he uses the same thing. So 
Why the power? I mean, why do we need this power of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me just give you three areas this morning. If you're taking notes, you might want to jot those down. The first thing he said, so Jesus gives us the answer, he said, you shall be my witnesses. Say that with me. You shall be my witnesses. You are going to have the power to witness. Now listen, in the culture we live today, I want to tell you, sometimes it can be intimidating to witness when the culture believes exactly opposite as you. I mean, they don't walk the way you walk. They don't believe the way that you believe. They don't embrace the same values, the virtues, the word of God that we embrace and believe and have faith in. And now you're stepping up to the plate and say, let me share the word of God with you, my faith, my experience, my testimony. And let me tell you, you need a little Holy Ghost power to talk to some people in our world. And you know that's true. And now the Lord is saying, I'm going to give you the power to be witnesses. If you were here last week, Pastor Matt, he preached almost the entire sermon out of Acts chapter 4. So if this is what Jesus said, let's see how it works. Acts 4 verse 29, now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled, verse 31, was shaken, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So the question is, weren't they filled in chapter two? Yes. Well, what are they doing getting filled again in chapter four? Because you just need the continual infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is not just a one-time deal. How many of you know this is a lifestyle? This is a walk that you walk every day of your life. And I'll give you some background. Let's put it in reverse. Uh, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. There's a guy who's been laid by the beautiful gate. They, by the power of God, healed him in the name of Jesus. I have something to give to you. Rise and walk. This guy, I mean, this is not a fake. This is not a sham. This is not a televangelist on, you know, TV. I mean, this is the real, genuine, authentic article. They knew it. And now they're questioning Peter and John, by what power did you do this? They're brought before the council, and the prayer by the disciples is, Lord, continue to give us the power and the boldness to witness, even in the face of the controversy that we're in. And that should be our prayer today, right? I mean, here we are, we're the church, we're believers, we're born-again believers, but there is a world out there that doesn't believe like you, doesn't believe like me, and we still have to have the power to witness. And that's what he said he would do. This word boldness here that is used is the word parousia, and it means to be open, frank, with courage, assurance, fearless, and confident that you can continue to give the message. Because, uh, let me ask a question. Has anyone ever witnessed to someone and you felt like you were shot down in flames after you witnessed to them? I mean, that's happened to me more than once. Well, I don't believe like that. You're crazy. You're an idiot. You know, you're this conservative, far right-wing quack. Well, no, I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. And I have to have boldness to continue to do that. And even as the church, and I want you to look around, we have hundreds and hundreds of people here this morning in this service. And let me tell you, we need to continue to have the boldness to uphold the word of God. Because there are pressures coming that's going to try to quieten you down, quieten 
me down, quieting us down, and we need to pray the prayer that we would be bold to speak the word and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that's got to continue here. So th this is how we witness, and this is what Jesus said we have the power to do through the Holy Spirit. So we witness by proclamation and declaration. Notice what they said, that we may speak. And then it says, they spoke the word of God with boldness. So what are we doing today? We're declaring. I'm, I'm here on this platform. I'm declaring what the word says. I'm proclaiming what the word says. And that's what you do. You do it at school. You do it at work. You do it in your family. You do it in your friends. You proclaim. You profess. You declare the word of God. That's very important. And he says, I'm going to give you the power to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. And so our little world would be looking like this. So let, let's go back. So I'm going to give you the power to witness in Duncan and Marlow and Rush Springs and Oklahoma City to the uttermost parts of the world. Yeah. That sound familiar? We'll throw local and quorum in there and empire. So let, let's, get, let's get it all together. Uh, you know, Comanche, Warica. So we start where we are, and we have these concentric circles that we keep proclaiming, we keep preaching, we keep declaring, but that's not all the witness. It's also witnessed by lifestyle and expression. Look at verse 13 of chapter 4. Now, when they saw the boldness, the other one is when they heard the boldness. Now it's when they what? See the boldness. If you profess something they don't see, it doesn't work. Can I hear an amen to that? How many of you know a lot of people say things, but how they live is in contradiction to what they say? So here they're saying, Lord, give us the boldness to speak it, but it says, and they saw the boldness of what they did. So it's not just a proclamation, it's a lifestyle that I have to live all the time. Now, do I always do well with that? Not really. And neither do you. Can I get a witness to that? Sometimes I don't do so good. I want to do good. I mean, I want to walk the talk, but sometimes I don't do quite what I should. Now, the second thing that we need to understand about the power of the Holy Spirit, we need the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you and I need not only the infilling of the Holy Spirit to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but to also have the power, the wisdom, and the knowledge to walk in those and to express God through those gifts that he gives us. So Acts chapter 4, there again, verse 29 and 30 now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Look at verse 30. By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So it wasn't just, I'm going to live it, I'm going to say it, but I'm going to see you work in my life in supernatural ways. And let me tell you, we, we still believe in the supernatural power of God here. That, that God can move beyond what we can do. 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul is uh, writing to the church at Corinth. These are believers that have come from paganism and idolatry worship, and now they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they also have gifts of the Holy Spirit, and now Paul is teaching them about how to operate and have the power to operate in this dimension. 
So he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers or sisters and brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed, or if you have a King James Bible, it says to be ignorant. Verse 4, there are varieties of gifts or different gifts, but the same Spirit, there are varieties of service or different services, but the same Lord, there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the Holy Spirit's not just given for you, it is given for you and to you, but it's not just for you, it's for everybody around you. So he says, now you have been empowered by, you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit, but it's for everybody around you. It's for your family, it's for your friend, it's for the body, it's for the church, it's for those that are in your life. Now what he does, and I'm not going to read all this, but I want to give it to you, there are nine spiritual gifts he refers to. There's the word of wisdom, there's the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, now, I always make a comment here because I think it's important. Notice the plurality of gifts when it comes to healing. Do you see it? Gifts of healing. It doesn't say gift of healing or what? Gifts of healing. Now, why is that important? Because every healing in the Bible wasn't the same. Gifts of healing. The Lord spoke the word over some people. Some people touched the hem of his garment. Sometimes he put mud in people's eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Sometimes he didn't even go to their house. I've got somebody at my house that are sick. Would you come? I don't need to come. You got faith. Go home. They're healed. So he gets home. When did he get better? About the time you were talking to that rabbi down there. That's when he got better. Go show yourself to the priest. Leprosy leaves. So healing's not cookie cutter. Sometimes instantaneous. Sometimes it begins to heal at that moment. So even Jesus didn't heal everybody the same way. Can I hear any man? So gifts of healing working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Please listen. These are all here or none of them are here today. We embrace that they're here today. This is not, attention please, a pick and choose list. But you, you can't say, well, I believe in knowledge, I believe in wisdom, I believe we can pray for people to get better, but I don't believe in prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, I don't believe in discerning of spirits, I don't believe in any of that. Now listen, they're either all here or none are here. We believe they're all still here. And I'll tell you why, because the Holy Spirit's still here. These are not my gifts, they're not your gifts, they're not Jim, uh, Jim's gifts, they're gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what Paul does, not only does he write this to instruct the church at Corinth, he also does the same thing to the church that he's writing to in Rome that's scattered through the Roman Empire. It's in chapter 12 also. So Paul writes this, and he used some of these same very gifts that he writes to the church at Corinth, but he adds some different ones to the letter to the Romans. He says, ministry and service. This is verse 6 and 7 in Romans 12. Teaching exhortation, encouragement, giving, leadership, and showing of mercy. And there are people who are very specially gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve, people to teach. Have you ever sat under someone who did not have the gift of teaching? And you said, God, when will this be over? 
But some people have that gift. Some, some people have the gift of serving. Some people have the gift of encouraging you. Some people have the gift of giving, leadership, showing of mercy. So he lists all these and he calls them spiritual gifts that you don't have innately in your flesh or in your intellect or in your talent. They are gifts of what? The Holy Spirit. And so therefore, we can operate and have the power to operate and to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the third one. The third one is the power to walk in the Spirit. Say it with me. The power to walk in the Spirit. Now, th this is not just a confession. It's a walk. This is an everyday thing. Galatians 5. Here again, Paul is writing to the church, verse 16, 17. Then I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh, uh, lust against the Spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Let, let me focus on that last line. That you don't do the things you wish. So Tuesday, the battery in the car that I drive, gone. Nothing. Nada. No start. Nothing. So I thought, well, I, I need to replace the battery. But I've been very busy. It's been very hot. So Wednesday, I bought a new battery for the car. And I thought yesterday evening, when it you know, got down to 100, um, I'll put the battery in the car. So I get the battery. I pop the hood. And I'm going to take the old battery out, put the new battery in. That's simple, right? No. So to get the old battery out, put the new battery in, I got to take three braces off the top. There's an electronic box on top of the battery. I've got to unscrew the little wedgie that holds the bottom of the battery in. And all of that is very difficult even to get to. So I'm fairly good at that point until I realize the battery will not come out until you take the water reservoir that goes to the radiator out to get the battery out. Let me read the last line of this to you again. <laughs> These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. I was wishing to do some things. Y'all are so holy. I was wanting to say some stuff. I wanted to call out some GM engineers that are demon-possessed. It's a battery. I don't want to overhaul the car to change the battery. And I felt like that's what I'm doing. I think, you know, 15 minutes I can change the battery. An hour later... I'm trying just to get my hand down inside of that just to change some stuff. And then when you drop something inside there, how many of you are feeling my pain right now? You think, how am I going to reach that to get that back? I'm just getting started here. So an hour into this, Carrie, I didn't know this till I went in, and she said, uh, I saw you out in the driveway and you're changing the battery and I was going to come out and say, how's it going? 
And she said, I looked out the kitchen window and I saw your face. And she said, I'm not going out there. (laughs) Wise move, right? Now notice what he says. He says, if you walk in the Spirit, it will keep you from doing some things that you should not do. Let me preach this side of you. I don't think y'all understand what I'm saying. I'm telling you, in your flesh, there are some things that when you get into those situations, you want to say something. And you feel like you got the right to say it. And I really want to say it. And I want to give those people a piece of my mind. And I want to throw ranches. Yeah, and weed eaters and all kind of stuff. But you don't ever do that. I mean, you know, you're driving through town and it's 65 and the car in front of you, are, they're going 45 and you need to go to work and they're looking at cows and chickens and who knows what and you want to do something you shouldn't do and say something you shouldn't say and the only way you don't do it is you better be walking in the spirit, let me tell you. Because your flesh wants to, Yeah. And even Paul knew it, because in Romans 7, he says, the things I should be doing, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Who shall deliver me from this? And he gives the answer in chapter 8. He said, the only way we do that is we've got to be walking in the Spirit. And the only way you keep from doing that, you've got to have the power of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, so that we don't do what our flesh wants to do. You have to crucify it and walk in the Spirit. Amen. So, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Did I say self-control? Because, listen, there was a moment yesterday afternoon when it was 100 degrees, I wanted to have no self-control. I mean, I wanted it all to hang out. But... If you have the fruit of the Spirit, if you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can have love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. How do I know I'm Spirit-filled and Spirit-controlled? It's how I walk every day. Are you perfect? No. Are you going to make some mistakes? Yes. Are you going to say some things, do some things, uh, not do some things, not say some things that you probably should do? And the answer is probably yes. But as a lifestyle, as a believer, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in myself, I can't do it. In myself, I don't have the capability. I don't have the composure. I don't have the self-control. I don't have the patience. I don't have the power. But through the Holy Spirit, I do. But this is what sometimes we do. We use that as an excuse. Well, they made me do that. So GM engineers made me do that. That battery made me do that. That that screw that fell down there I can't reach made me do that. No, you just chose to do that. And so we have to say, that's not the way I'm going to live. And it's more than batteries and bolts and radiators, it's children and wives and husbands and employees 
and bosses and friends and neighbors and people who drive 35 on the bypass. (laughs) You see, it's living and walking and doing the things that we need to be doing because let me tell you how fast we can move from spirit to flesh. It can be in seconds. How many of you know it's true? I'm, I'm, I'm being transparent with you today. It's true. So the Lord says you need the power to witness. You need to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit and have the power to operate them uh, in them. And you also have to have the power and the fruit of the Spirit to know how to walk as my witness every day. And this is all about the Holy Spirit. Listen, we, we, could, we could teach on this. Matt and I could preach on this for months because it's almost like this is an inexhaustible subject. How deep is the Holy Spirit? Deeper than you can touch your feet to the bottom. How deep is that river? A river we can swim in. But yet the power and the presence of God must be in his body and must be in his church. Because we talked about the last time there is deadness, there is dryness, unless the breath of God is breathed into our life and breathed into this body. Not just you individually, but us collectively as a church. We don't need dead, dry religion. We need vitality and spirit and life and living water among us and through us because through that we can see people's lives change, our schools change, young people change, our community changed, and the world around us changed because the Spirit's working in our life. I don't have to swing from the chandelier all the time, but I can walk in the Spirit and see God move in my own personal life. You see, in the Old Testament, Israel camped a certain way. It wasn't to their own thinking of how they camped or their order. God gave them, this is how you camp. This is where the tribes camp. This is where you set up the tent and the tabernacle. And as they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, there was a certain style. There was a certain if you will, procedure, and God gave it to Moses, and he says, at the center of the camp, that's the tabernacle in the wilderness. And these tribes camp this side, these this side, these tribes here, these tribes here, but at the heart of the camp is the place I will put my presence. There is going to be the Ark of the Covenant, the commandments the inside, the, the manna that fell from heaven, Aaron's rod that budded. Between the wings of the cherubim, the Shekinah glory of God will be there over the tabernacle, and there they needed the presence of God in their midst. So much so, Moses said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, we are not going. Because this is what Moses knew. If your presence don't go with us, if your presence isn't going to be with us, we're going to fail. We're going to be wandering out here all of our life. But he said, I love it, surely my presence shall go with you. Now they're transitioning. They go from a tabernacle to a temple. They go from a tent to a building. And that building David could not build, but his son Solomon could build. And they, they, they build the structure, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And at that dedicatorial service, the Bible says that Solomon prays and the, the priests bear the Ark of the Covenant and they're headed to the Holy of Holies. And there the wings of the cherubim are stretched out over the mercy seat where the blood is sprinkled. But 
It's more than that. When they get into the Holy of Holies, there are huge cherubim on the walls that are covering the entire room. There are cherubim with wings outstretched over the Ark of the Covenant. There are cherubims with wings outstretched over the mercy seat. How many of you know this is the pattern of heaven, the reality showing the type inside the Holy of Holies? And the Bible says when the priests walked in with the Ark and they set the Ark in its place, and they walked out, and the musicians are playing, and the singers are singing, great is the Lord, and the beauty of his mercy, his mercy endureth forever. His presence came to the temple, and when his presence came to the temple, the Bible says, and the glory cloud came down and they could not even stand in the presence of God. The Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever. And the Shekinah glory of God came down. But here's the good news. You're the temple now. We're not looking for some kind of wooden stone tent, tabernacle, even a great Solomon's temple. Today, the Holy Spirit is in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit today in our midst. That when people walk in here and they don't know Jesus Christ, they could feel something in their heart. Many years ago, we had a couple, they're fairly new, they said right back here at the bottom of the Cascade section, and they'd been coming on Sunday morning, then they started coming on Sunday night, one Sunday night, I was walking down here, she came up to the altar, and she had tears running down her face, and she said, Pastor, something's wrong with me. I said, what do you mean something's wrong with me? She said, every time I come in here, and the music starts, and you start preaching. She said, tears begin to run down my face. She said, I've never, ever felt that any other church that we've ever attended. I said, honey, you just feel the presence of God. We need the presence in the middle of the camp. We need the presence in the worship, in the music, the singing, the preaching, the handshaking. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Because if we don't have the Holy Spirit in our midst, how many of you know, there's no moving over the void, the abyss, the darkness. It's just chaos sometimes, isn't it? But the Holy Spirit brings order to our marriages and our families and our children, our teenagers, our own personal life when we're changing batteries. Because it's necessary. We need it. Because I know what we would be like if God's power didn't change our life. And so as we finish this series, we need the presence of the Lord in our life. And you need the presence of the Lord in your life. You say, well, how does that work? It is so important the Lord told his own disciples, he said, do not leave the upper room until you're filled with, baptized with, until you receive the promise of my Father. He said, please don't leave because you can't do what I'm asking you to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. So 120 
in the upper room, not one day, not two days, not three. They waited. They tarried until Acts 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven. It sounded like a rushing wind, cloven tongues like as of fire set upon them. They began to speak in languages they did not know, about 15 different languages at Passover. It goes from the upper room to the streets. People wondered, are these people drunk? Not much has changed in 2,000 years. These are crazy people. And, and they begin with the question, what does this mean? And Peter, Peter who a few days before could not even witness to a teenage girl. Do you know him? Peter said, I don't know him. Hey, I think you're one of his guys. You, you kind of talk like a Galilean. I think you know him. Peter cursed and said, I do not know him. But yet, a few days later, he's standing on the streets of Jerusalem preaching to thousands of people. What changed? He's filled with the Holy Spirit now. You shall receive power to witness after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, Peter is preaching to thousands because they said, what does this mean? And Peter begins the sermon, the first sermon we have recorded in the early church. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I must be dreaming dreams now. But anyway, I'm just saying he preached to people that crucified Jesus Christ. And then the next question they ask, because this is what the Holy Spirit does, convinces us of our sin. Not condemns us in our sin, but convinces us of our sin. And the next question was, then what shall we do? And Peter said, the first thing you do is you repent. You get baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people got saved. Then the number goes to 5,000. And they quit being added to the church. The next term is now the church is being multiplied. How many of you know multiplication is better than being added? I'd rather you multiply dollars to me than add dollars to me. <laughs> now you got it, okay. So, many scholars believe just in a few weeks and months, the church is now 25,000 people. Why? They had the power to witness. They had the power to walk it out. They had the power to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they walked in the Spirit every day. So strong. Let me close with this. So strong that they would lay people in the side of the road so when Peter walked down the road and the sidewalks, they were hoping just his shadow fell on them, and they were changed and healed. You say, what happened to Peter? I mean, did he come, become the super saint? No, he just got filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the same way you get filled, the same way I get filled, the same Holy Spirit that's a gift to every one of us. Wouldn't it be better that we had 800 people every week going to families and workplaces and schools, witnessing and sharing the testimony and the witness of Jesus Christ than just me and Jim? Wouldn't it be better if there's hundreds of us doing that instead of just me and Waylon and somebody over here and somebody over here and 
maybe Chuck and maybe TC. Wouldn't it be better if there's like hundreds and hundreds of us doing that? That's how the church exponentially grew. They had the power to witness. They, they had the power to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. They had the power to walk the talk. And people noticed. And this is what they, I think they did. They began to say, I want what you got because I don't got it. And guess what? God's got what they need. Amen? Bow your head with me. Before we leave, let me tell you where this starts. This starts by you giving your life to Jesus Christ. This starts by you and I realizing that we need a Savior, and Jesus is the Savior. He went to the cross. He died, shed his blood, buried, rose the third day that you and I could live that victorious life in him. Now we have the promise of the Holy Spirit, and you and I can walk in the Spirit, and we do not have to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, or maybe you need to come and maybe reaffirm or even come back like a prodigal to Christ, today's the day to do that. If that's you, I know it's going to take courage for you to do this. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor Mike, I want to make sure that Christ is in my life. Thank you. Is there somebody else? I don't want to miss you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anybody else? This is simple. I know sometimes it can be difficult, but just to say, I need the Lord in my life. I don't want to leave here without me knowing him because I know he knows me. Now, here's the last thing. How many of you would agree with me that we need to be filled with, walk in, operate in the power of the Holy Spirit? If the, if the Lord has touched your heart in some way and, and you feel that yearning to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand today, would you just lift your hands with mine and say, Pastor Mike, I want to live in that kind of walk. Our young people are raising their hand right now. I want to live in that kind of life. I want to be that kind of person that I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit and walk the way that God wants me to walk. Would you stand with me right now? We have some people that's going to help us pray. I want them to come very quickly. If you raised your hand, I want you to come and stand right here and face me and and come to someone who's already up here. If you're sick in body, if you want to stand in for someone, if you want to pray for a deeper relationship with Christ, if you want to pray for that special infilling of the Lord in your life, I would make my way here as fast as I could because let me tell you, I don't want to miss anything that God has for me. Would you give these folks a hand? Come on, give give these people a hand. If you'd like to help us pray or you want prayer, would you very quickly leave your place and come and stand with us? I need about 20, 30 people to come and help us pray. Would you come right now, lay your hands on somebody, let's encourage somebody today. Stay with us just for a moment. We're going to pray. This is very important. We're going to pray that God would help us, lead us, guide us, empower us to be everything that he wants us to be. Come on, pray with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. We are here today to grow in you. We're here today, Lord, to follow you. That you might lead us, guide us, fill us with the power that comes from on high. 
Lord, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the power to witness, the power of spiritual gifts. We need the power to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. So Lord, for every family, every person who's come for prayer, every marriage, every child, son, daughter, grandchildren, God, we pray for a special blessing over their life. We pray that your church would grow, the body would increase. We pray that we would be who you want us to be. We would do what you ask us to do. And God, we ask right now for your strength, for your power, for your favor, your grace and mercy. And God, we just love you. We thank you and we receive you today in that deeper walk by the power that you give us. In Jesus' precious, holy name. And everybody said... Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you. I love you. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.